0: welcome to astronaut philosophy episode two episode two astronaut philosophy podcast going straight to the top of the charts (laughs) voted best podcast
1: in the galaxy by two people by two people (laughs) okay um so listen to our thing I listened to episode one like three times. How many times did you listen to it? Uh, twice. <laughs> twice. It was really good. I loved it. Um, uh, one of the things that I feel like we were picking out there was um, kind of like the overall because man, that was long. We went for, we went through a lot of different big things.
0: Yeah, it's um, great.
1: One of the, uh, one of the things that struck me was we were we were talking about structure a little bit, or at least that's the way I like to look at it and how um how structures can become tyrannical
0: um,
1: yeah uh and I, and what what did I we would, talk
0: is, did we talk about that the first
1: we I don't know if we really dug into it okay. from that angle All right. All right. um i mean we were we were getting there we were talking about how we were talking about humility okay. right yeah, um yeah so what I liked about um, I really liked what you said with the example of water and how water um, we use two different approaches to describe water two different models yeah one of those um, from a physics point of view from from the standpoint of physics yeah Mm -hmm. so so what I want to do is if we could start with physics start with um, back with that example, and then we would kind of branch out to how that might apply to other places.
0: All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, we use uh, two different kind of models to describe water because the way I see it, it's it's neither one. So we use both. Kind of water is a collection of atoms, which is kind of like what I call accountable model and also water is a smooth continuous surface which is what i think of as a a smooth model that's what i i don't know i if i try to uh divide all of the models mathematical models that physics uses i kind of like the two categories of like countable and
1: smooth um to describe the two types but well what you talked about what you mentioned before was that the um the different kinds of uh, mathematics represent to you different kinds of rationality yeah yeah that's the way I've come to think about it um so you mean like all the different ways we have of describing the world mathematically like statistics or uh with uh, derivatives or, you know, these... Yeah, but I, I try to go like as basic as possible, like as
0: fundamental as possible. Like, um, like squares and numbers. Like the numbers. And you can even go even deeper than the numbers. And you can call the numbers a form of counting. You can kind of consider counting. Like um, that, that's kind of how. So there's a description of the numbers in set theory. And what they say is like the thing that's deeper than the numbers is just counting like, Hey, there's one thing, there's another thing, Mm -hmm. there's another thing. And like, so I, I call this kind of, yeah. So this form of rationality, I kind of think of as the countable form of of rationality. Mm -hmm. And then I think of the smooth form of rationality as something different, like a line. So a line is like infinitely divisible. You know, you, you you keep on zooming in on a line. You don't ever get to a countable object. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just always a line. I mean, you can. We can use, we can use the mathematics of infinity, or the concept of infinity, like the limit, um, as the number of points goes to infinity becomes a, a line. Um, but that actually doesn't solve it because of Cantor, um, who kind of showed us that there's more than one kind of infinity there. Well, that is a cool you know cantor
1: yeah. that subject is cool and that will be yeah, cool to yeah, get yeah. into okay. but before we yeah, get there, yeah. I do want to ask you this about because you know you're talking about you know these two two different tools which have very different implications of ways that you um ways that you can use them do you feel like you're using different um like it feels different to you when you apply these tools? Um, or do you feel like you're reading one book and putting that down and reading another book? Like it's all reading. Do you f- because you used the analogy before that there are different sorts of rationality. So I'm just curious of how that, from, a, from the point of view of your experience, how does that play or how does that feel?
0: Yeah, I would say it feels like a different form of, of rationality to me. Um, I mean, just in the way that, you know, something like zero feels like a concept and something like infinity, something like going on for forever, that feels like a concept, like, like so much different than zero. Um, the con, the feeling of like something like that line being infinitely, you can zoom in like forever. And it's still a line that, that feels different. You feel
1: like you're touching some deeper waters there when you, when I don't you know encounter if I'd say it?
0: deeper, it just feels different. It, mm. it feels different than the numbers one, two, and three. That just feels like a different form of rationality than an absolutely continuous line. Um, and I guess kind of what I went through maybe, or have been going through the past 10 years or so is just, how it, it it makes more sense to be okay with there being different forms of rationality like rather than uh insisting that all forms of rationality can ultimately be explained using one fundamental form of
1: rationality it, it um i've just i've I've gone away from that because well that leads right back to what we'd mentioned about the tyrannical structure right the, sure, the tendency yeah. to, to take one thing yeah. that that feels uh, secure and to try to stretch that over all things.
0: Yeah, and it could be it could be lead to a kind of authority, right? Like, mm-hmm. I am the master person who knows the fundamental language better than anyone else. Therefore, right. or like, these these forms of, right. these these answers
1: <laughs> are inadequate because their approach was not my approach.
0: Yeah, um, I could see how it how it leads to that. I,
1: uh, so do you feel anything like that with any other kinds of reasoning? So like, you know, I'm thinking about, I know reading, uh, you know, if I read Borges or, uh, Dostoevsky, it feels different than when I read, uh, Quine or, uh, or David Bohm, you know? It's like they're different. I'm trying to relate to you and, and I'm trying to see if, if, um, if we're talking about just the way things feel when we engage them uh, and, if, and and find out how that connects to actually different, uh, different states of consciousness maybe. And, and not, not to the, so when I say that word, different states mm-hmm. of consciousness, what immediately comes up is like, okay, dreams versus waking state, drugs versus, you know, near death hmm. experience, okay. like all these extremes. So mm-hmm. I, I look at a state of consciousness as like, you know, when I go run on the treadmill or it, that state of consciousness is way different from when I'm, I'm doing bench press. Oh yeah. Right. Like, like the, my, my state of mind is like, just, oh yeah, is different. Totally um, different. Really different and i can do different things with different ones you know mm-hmm. you know with one state of consciousness you can write poetry with the other you can uh you can suck it up and have thanksgiving with your, yeah. <laughs> with your family <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah. not not my family i love my family but <laughs> but uh anyway uh yeah so I don't know. Do you feel like that extends? Do you feel like that is a pattern that, uh, that manifests in all the different domains that it's not just like the countable numbers and infinity that we could take that broader?
0: I guess, I guess my feeling on that is, uh, yes. Like when I'm in different moods, um, my brain feels like it operates differently and I'm better at drawing in certain moods. I'm better at writing certain moods, better at mathematics in and, and certain moods. Um, but I, I would say, like, I hesitate to, like... You're using the word moods,
1: I notice. Sh- sh- okay, S- states of mind. No, I'm okay with it. I just want to know what you mean by it, you know, when you say moods. Oh. You know, do you mean, like like, emotionally... I just uh, I think about uh, different positions or different different lenses that give different insights. And if that's moods, then that's cool. Uh, okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, okay. Well, what came to mind when uh, language is helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so here here's here's where I. I I get this feeling that this conversation is going in the direction of everything is subjective. I hope I I don't I don't know. I don't know where it's going. I'm, yeah, well, okay, so so yeah, I, I do agree that um yeah, different different times of the day when I'm in different mental states, I'm might want to express different things of reality using different languages or or different kinds of expression or or stuff like that for sure. Um, but I, I don't want like usually when people start talking in this kind of like everything as a subjective experience of reality kind of thing, um, it tends to neglect that it's impossible to communicate anything If there isn't something that's the same between you and someone else, like, um, if I'm okay, well, let's take this to the extreme, the extreme of me being in different mental states and expressing things different ways and having different experiences of reality is to me, never have the same. Okay, so I'm in a continual change of mental states. I never get back to the same one, and no one else has ever been in any of the state that I'm in. Right. So that is that's the that's taking that kind of like we experience different things at different times to the extreme. Right. So, so that's
1: where you 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 see the, a danger of sort of a spiral into relativism, where y- there where there's yeah. no um, we can't right. make claims about. Yeah, we can't make coherent claims at least well, about about uh, the way things. Yeah, the way things are shared at least. The way
0: things are shared, right? Yeah, it's it's not that like I'm I'm scared of some kind of a danger. It's just more that it's it doesn't make any sense. Like, well, that's
1: if it makes you feel any better, that's not where I'm going. Okay. Yeah, so that's <laughs> right. not that's not where yeah. I'm going. Um, yeah. And and I think that's a that's a pretty good. I'm glad you brought that up because that is the sort of direction that I think people take, mm-hmm. you know, when they, yeah. when you hear the talk about states of consciousness and uh-huh. like, you know, tools of perception and, you know, what, it's a pretty predictable position the individual is going to take about, um, about uh, a whole host of issues. Um, the, the, the primacy of subjectivity being one, um, mm-hmm. So so let me let me uh yeah.
0: let me let me jump in with a self-reference thing, let's right? Let's get here. it, let's get it. Um the word subjectivity. Yeah, so I didn't like
1: okay, go ahead.
0: The only way that the sentence everything is subjective makes any sense is if the word subjective means something. But if everything is subjective, then the word subjective can't mean the same thing between two people by definition. So like even to say everything is subjective, like requires a level of objectivity about what that sentence meant.
1: When you, when you hear that word subjectivity, do you, do you hear like a, um, like a compartmentalized space? You know, when I say that something is subjective, do you, Do you think I'm, or do you feel like I'm referring to a domain that's, that's cut off or is it, and I'm just exploring what this word means, but because it's not, uh, you know, what it means, what we might, uh, the way we might hear it used is different than I think the way that we might want to try and mean it here, Hmm. you know, so. I don't hear, uh, I don't hear a closed space when I when I hear that word subjectivity. I hear a, a dynamic space where um, there are different influences. Um, n- not all of them I understand. Some of them I seem to share with others.
0: Okay, so that that is shareable with others, right? I would call objectivity, right? Yeah, that's it. Precisely.
1: Okay. Precisely, yeah. So the shareable with others, but it's still right. That is how I conceptualize the subjective domain. There are these things where I don't know that they are objective until I share them. Like, hey, do you how do you feel about this? Do you does this happen to you, you know? Or do you see that over there across the room? You see that? That's not I'm not schizophrenic, that's a thing over there. Yeah. You know, and so we come to a consensus about so objectivity. Yeah, I
0: love, I love that word, consensus. Yeah, like
1: c- consensus.
0: There's um, there's a big overlap in my mind between objectivity and consensus. Yes, and there there ought yeah. to be, but I, I don't yeah. think
1: that there is in the public space. Okay. So I think in the general public that objectivity uh. is seen. We bring back our. Uh, our NGT reference, <laughs> dude. I, I feel like we were a little harsh on. We were, NGT. we were, man. I love NGT. Let's let's say something nice about him. Real I, quick. I got something
0: nice to say about NGT. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I don't want to say anything mean about Sam Harris here, but oh, there's say- there's a video I saw where NGT uh, was debating Sam Harris, and um, you know, about what? It, it was funny that NGT was so hard on religion in that clip that we showed. Like, we're getting way off track here, but um, because in a debate with Sam Harris, he kind of like defended he was like, Hey, like 15% of scientists are you know, believe in God, you know, like we should be we should be kind of patient and kind of have some tolerance for this kind of thing, too. And I don't know, it's just Mm. it was funny to see he had a different tone, basically. I guess what I'm trying to say is NGT, he's. He's less of like a crazy, harsh atheist than a lot of the scientists. And
1: I, I like that about him. Here's what yeah. I don't like about him is that he is basically a teacher. He's playing the role of professor to the, the greater public. And he knows it. And he'll get in front of a room and somebody will ask a question. And it just depends on the context apparently. Because I've seen him do go the other way multiple times. And, and somebody will ask him a question about religion.
0: Mm.
1: or about and i'm not even saying that i agree with you know uh with uh religious dogma religious structures or any of the questions that that are being that are uh I, you can tell where the the question is being posed from you know when you hear it you can kind of you get a feel for what the person where the person's coming from um my problem with ngt is his tone and he will uh he will frequently feed off the audience. So the audience will start to giggle as soon as that question comes up, like, and then he'll give, right. the, he'll give the face, oh, here we go, yeah. this is gonna be fun. And then he'll do the, do the dance, you know? And it's like he's, he's winning at something. He's right. winning in a game. It's like, man, you are a, you're an intellectual, and you're, yeah. you're t- you ought to be teaching people. And, um, and he, he forgets his role Sometimes and I, you know, when you're a public speaker, I gotta have some sympathy because you're in that position all the time. But uh, but hey, I was originally gonna give some love. So I, the NBC show was it an NBC, the Carl Sagan remake?
0: Uh, I don't know if I saw it.
1: The was it something the universe? Talk about
0: the one we watched last episode. No,
1: no, I'm talking about the the syndicated. You know, he had a series on. Oh, uh, I think it was NBC or Fox. Might have been. When it has it
0: was, Nova Science
1: now? Well, he does that too. Yeah, he does a okay. PBS thing uh, right, occasionally. Right. He does. He does a lot of good stuff, man. I've watched all his stuff. Like, so right. it's just it's. And so when secret, t- he secretly, love this guy. Uh, man, maybe. <laughs>
0: what, little bromance going on? Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's why I'm mad at him. You know, it's like a little. <laughs> I trusted you, man. <laughs> <laughs> you but, led me down the wrong path. You know, I feel I feel a little bit led down the wrong path um, in my career. Like mm. I I thought. I thought at one point that science had, like, the truth or whatever. And that was, uh, like, when I look through my journals, I I see a little bit of, like, frustration when I realized that all of science came down to math and that there was a lot, and and that math was not perfect. And um, it was very kind of, like, clumsy and patchy, the way we stick kind of, like, mathematical theories together with, um, to kind of make these just models of... Reality and I was like, I felt kind of a little bit disappointed and then a little bit freed at the same time mm-hmm. because you know it, it's freeing in the sense that it allows for things like creativity and things that the mind does that cannot be explained by math. That is the thing that generates the models, that thing that generates the language. But
1: would you say uh, that frustration? was rooted in the discovery of objectivity is essentially consensus and that consensus can be flawed.
0: We, yeah. Yeah. I, I really like objectivity as consensus. I really like that.
1: Um, flawed, uh, I mean, it's, well, it's, 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 it's human <clears throat> beings that come to consensus and humans are flawed. So that's where I, that's where my logic is coming from.
0: Well, well, Flawed. I, I feel like flawed is too strong of a word for me um,
1: because it undermines uh, a little bit too much the the, the 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 dependability of some of the some of the structure that we built. If we use the word flawed, it makes it feel like like um, like we're pulling rabbits out of hats all the time. But we're we're really not. We're making we're making. Uh,
0: I was I was thinking flawed like. Feeling like there's something wrong with us or something. Like I don't like, Ooh. like, like I, I like the word imperfect a little better than flawed because, like.
1: So you, that would depend, I guess, on your on your lens, your subjective, uh, <laughs> you know, encounter with that phenomena. So we have this. What with what phenomena? With the phenomena of objectivity is derived from consensus. So we we encounter that that. That seems to be the case. You and I have encountered it together. We're sharing it. And one lens leads to that seems, it seems like imperfect is a better word. Uh,
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: Whereas when I use that word of flawed, I think I'm realizing as you're pointing it out, you know, when I use that word flawed, I am, I'm focusing more on the tyrannical aspect of what happens when we are when we are wrong and refuse to move oh okay and so then it's then it's you know it's a negative impact it's a punishment inflicted upon ourselves and it's like it's fixable feels like a flaw rather than like than children who who don't know better but i also think i think that's true too though you're they're both uh they're both you know you got to have both of those views because you're just gonna get you're just gonna be a a a grumpy uh a grumpy guy nobody wants to hang out with if you you just see it the, the tyrannical way all the time yeah i've decided not to like
0: like fight hard against like if we call it let's call it like scientific dogmatism or something like this like the absolute belief that science has the answers and the authority that's derived from that and all that. Let's just call that like scientific dogmatism. Okay. Right. Like, yeah, I've decided not to like to fight the man fight against that stuff. Um, it's more kind of just like, okay, it seems like there's a more elevated, well, elevated is not very humble, but it, it just seems like there's a, um, Okay, these guys are doing what they're doing,
1: in um, more effective
0: yeah, more effective way, kind of like, all right, well,
1: more effective for you,
0: especially. Oh, how about this? How about this? Kind of like, okay, well the, the scientific dogmatism is is one way to go about it. I don't think it's the best way to go about it. Just kind of that kind of tone instead of instead of trying to like fight fight to take down some kind of authority or something right
1: yeah so that's all about yeah that's all about a a lens and intention you know because because at the same time that you say that you are simultaneously sure loosening the grip yeah uh, so to speak (laughs) you know which i'd love man i absolutely love i think uh you know one of the things i was thinking about that was so bizarre i was trying to understand why it is why it is that you and i um uh First time we ever hung out, like hung out, hung out, you know, outside of the class. That random. We went to the uh, bar. Co- the coffee shop or bar? No. What, what, what bar was that on Hillsborough? Across from campus. Well, we got drunk
0: at so many bars. <laughs> this is the first. <laughs> this was the first bar,
1: Steve. You know, it was the one with the. Oh, I don't even remember. It's down near the bookstore. Down near the bookstore. And where all the frat kids go.
0: Oh, uh, East Village.
1: Yeah, yeah, East Village. We Sat on the patio. Yeah, we sat out there, yeah. and we sat out there for six hours. Did we really? We really did. So we got there. I got there about six, and we we closed that place down, and and uh, I think left on a Tuesday around one a.m. Damn. And um, wish we had the microphones for that. I don't, <laughs> well, maybe not. <laughs> maybe good Maybe because the microphones weren't right there. But um, <laughs> but uh. I think we have this mutual interest that uh loosening the grip uh, is helpful.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hold on loosely but don't let go.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's gonna go in the intro okay. Yeah. <laughs> for this one. What is that? What is that? Van Hold Halen? Let's no, no, That's um If you squeeze too tightly. Oh Jesus is, lose. It, is it Chicago? No. It's One of those, Dude, like, my dad's gonna be so it's mad like at me 70s, 80s. It's, like a... <laughs> it's a good song, all right. Um, we'll look it up. That's the intro to this one. I don't know why that's taking me back to Kenny Loggins, too, for some reason. I'm just thinking of like lots of guys with like hair and you know, just corny videos. And Michael... yeah, okay,
0: I do love that concept though, <laughs> like holding on loosely but not letting go.
1: I feel like, yeah, I come back to that a lot. Yep, yeah it allows you to, to keep a balance yeah right you know, it's um it's an ugly thing when you see just from a, you can take this is what i love about this concept is you can take it across domains and not just across domains like from for example with science you could take that to politics you could take that to philosophy um you could take it all the way down to personal psychology and, mm-hmm. and there's nothing um, sadder than to see someone who is holding on to dear life uh, to an approach to their life that's actually destructive. Um, hmm. They've got that tight grip, and they don't even realize it. Yeah. You know, they're in pain. They don't even yeah. they don't even know it. And that's sort of uh, analogous to society. Like you look at society. I mean, people are in pain. They know something is wrong, but they're they're not sure how to walk down the lane of, of w- what are the sources of our unhappiness? So to speak, what are the, or what are the sources of dysfunction? I think is a better way to frame it, hmm. it and they're multivariant to be sure. I'm not saying this is the source of all evil, right. but it is an important one because one of the most important, uh, one of the most important elements of society is problem solving. I mean, that's, if we don't do that, we don't have society. Sure. Yeah. And, um, and whatever helps problem solving helps people, you know? I mean, it's, it helps. Yeah. It's, um, so that's why, that's why I like that idea. That's why, that's why I really love that example of the models. I mean, because with water, especially, I mean, it goes all, it walks us all the way down to the very foundation of our ways of knowing the world.
0: Mm. Yeah. Ways of knowing. Yeah. I like that phrase, ways of knowing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and
1: it, and it, it puts it right on the table Mm -hmm. that we are using different limited ways to describe something greater than us.
0: Right. Yeah. I like that too. Yeah, definitely. And those, but those ways, um, the, the great thing about those ways is that we can kind of understand each other. Like we can get on the same page with each other. Like we can come to a consensus, Right, which is where I think the um, postmodern relativists go too far. You know, they kind of say like it's impossible to ever get on the same page with one another. But um, if you stick to that kind of agreement that, Hey, we can come to the agreement about something we can like cooperate together or we can like agree that we mean the same thing when we use a word, you know, like mm-hmm. then we, then these models become really powerful, not only between us, but between other generations or like across time, across time. Like how awesome is that when like you read like, Oh man, something from like 2000 years ago is from Plato or something like this. And it's just like, yeah, like I know exactly what you meant. And like, all of us are in like, there is something that is the same, mm-hmm. like something uh, that there's something that's the same. That's transmitted through all of us. Like reading that document, like written 2000 years ago, that's unbelievable. And to, to not recognize that is just, first of all, it's self-defeating. And second of all, it's, just, it's not helpful.
1: That, that's why I think it's so important to listen to each other when we are expressing in different forms, the, the, the experience of our subjectivity so i i express that word for me subjectivity is like you are in a space that is being influenced from from different directions that we we don't quite understand all of them um sure. we we know one of those directions would be your physiology um you know what's happening in your what you ate that day um are you going through puberty are you going through menopause? You know, these things are going to influence that subjective space. Mm -hmm. Um, Other things that no one has a problem with are uh, sensory experience. Very obvious that sensory experience is part of your subjective space. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then there's this fuzzy area, Um, your thoughts, you know. Are we, are we mm. generating those in some mechanical form? Are we receiving mm. our thoughts sometime? No idea. Yeah, if, if you... I receive my thoughts in the mail <laughs> if, <laughs> From well, Amazon Prime. You know, you know what's... what's that? Now, that's a strange... <laughs> Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime is taking over the world, man. Yeah, taking
0: over our, our thoughts. Uh, this pod is sponsored by Amazon Prime. Uh, Amazon Prime, if you want to be a uh, sponsor on our show, get in touch. You
1: know? Yeah, if they'll give me a deal on give something, give you a shout out. That was a free ad. I got like I got like eighty books in my cart, guys. If y'all just want to <laughs> help me out, but um, you know that that phrase right there, um, receiving your thoughts. Mm-hmm. That phrase is something. You know, if your neighbor said that to your grandma, you'd be ready to lock her up. You'd be like, oh, she's ready for her to go in the home. Uh, but. If you look at the descriptions of very creative and talented people uh-huh. yeah. uh, who generate oh, s- gifts to society that cross that transcend time, like we talked about. Oh yeah, where does that come from? S- and they will they will talk about it. They will yeah. talk about the experience of their subjective space, the phenomenological uh-huh. aspect, and, and it's it is like they are receiving it. It is like it is not theirs and it is theirs simultaneously. It's this bizarre experience of, uh, of something that invokes humility. It's, okay. it's, it's difficult to, to put a, to be real definitive about it. It's, yeah. it's something, something bigger than the ego, something bigger yeah. than the, the thing that says, um, I want another beer or, you know, yeah. I like her. Do you want another beer? getting close
0: <laughs>
1: okay this yeah. conversation's
0: getting pretty good <laughs> <laughs> yeah what is that it's almost like if we that thing where the genius comes from to try to even act like we can say exactly what that is is to kind of like undermine it or not undermine just to kind of like belittle it. Well, I mean, and you know, it's
1: to assume like, that you are on, you personally are on the other side of that boundary of, of where things are coming from or where...
0: You mean kind of like consciously, we, we're just sitting there waiting for it to come and we don't know where it comes from?
1: I don't think most people are consciously waiting. I think artists definitely are. Artists understand that real clearly that they wait for it, for, the, for something to come. Oh, uh,
0: most people don't think they think they're in like complete control of every thought that comes into their mind. Yeah. Or? Yeah. Yeah. Most people
1: are, or, or, I don't know, I don't know about that. Well, well, yeah. So that's a little, that's a little strong. So you could, yeah. you could just, but it's, it's not too far away. So I think people, people would, uh, they'd be fine with the idea of compulsion. They're, yeah. they're compelled to do some things, Yeah. but they wouldn't, they wouldn't write that off to a, a new conceptualization of their own mind, you know? I was just compelled to do this thing that had this immense consequence in my life at this time. And we're getting into a, now things get real fuzzy yeah. because, because, uh,
0: a lot it, of people would see that as
1: like religious, right? Or yeah. yeah. or well you, um, so that cons, that particular concept that I'm invoking is a concept called synchronicity. Um, okay. and it's been around forever, but I, I use the word synchronicity because that's what Carl Jung and Wolfgang Pally, uh, came up with Wolfgang okay. gang pally the, the physicist yeah yeah yeah. and um dude I, i'd like to know more about that uh super cool relationship those relationship. guys had. Yeah. yeah he was yeah. Pauli was actually a patient of young's um for a while really he was and uh interesting very interesting and, and he was uh you know he was a superstar he was a superstar physicist right. but he could yeah. not get his life together man he was just going you know chasing woman after woman at the bar every night you know getting fights he was he was a wild man of physics really and uh a lot of them are man he, oh yeah yeah <laughs> that's funny because you don't you don't you don't picture that uh you know you have like a bart simpson or bart simpson the simpsons uh yeah. kind of an image of the scientist you know he's got the glasses yeah, Hang so alone. those are
0: those are the scientists that, like, have the, the stable job and everything. But, like, oh. the, the famous scientists are the ones that couldn't get a job, like, <laughs> like Einstein. I know one like, of those,
1: man, and he smells. He needs to take a shower <laughs> so bad, bro. <laughs> I got a class with this dude, and if he ever listens to this, please shower before class. I realize you're getting your PhD, but just get a shower.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but even the ones that did shower that they, they couldn't get a job because their, their minds were just too kind of maverick. They were too much of an outcast They they're, you know, they changed like they're famous because they changed physics. Right. But they, in the process of changing physics, you know, they couldn't get a job. Nobody would listen to them. They they mm-hmm. felt alone. They felt depressed, you know, like this, this is, you know, very common
1: with, uh, that, uh, you know that's creative people uh, in our society are are driven by something that uh, that sometimes is really destructive for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I think it's this. We have a real poor comprehension of what's going on inside of our own minds, the mm-hmm. forces at play, because we we have no idea how to help. Either the best or, you know, the worst off in our, in our,
0: uh, among us, you know, like the best in
1: terms of what they do for us, like the, you know, you read about Steve jobs or, you know, people that, that culturally, uh, I don't, I'm not particularly, uh, interested in him, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but culturally he's huge, you know, and and we worship this guy and you see he had so many problems, um, Everybody has problems. Yeah, maybe it's like the everyone has problems they get maybe magnified in that they personality. They get
0: magnified in that personality, but but maybe they they probably also are more present in that kind of personality to begin with too, so
1: it's a real yeah. it's a real uh a phrase uh comes to mind the virtue of psychopathology. Now that is a scary phrase. Psychopathology. Right. Or the maybe Wait. the virtue of pathology, not psychopathology. That's uh, oh. sorry, that's uh, getting into um <laughs> what's that uh what's that movie? American Psycho. Uh Bateman, Patrick Bateman you know he's i don't in, know if i saw that he's looking at himself in the mirror oh man you haven't seen american not psycho that's so not
0: american beauty uh, but no, american definitely. psycho
1: no yeah american psycho that's uh yeah, yeah. put that on my list you will 100% remember it for the rest of your life okay maybe i won't put it on my list <laughs> <laughs> it's good um but the virtue of of pathology rather like oh, that's kind of a that's kind of a that's a i don't i don't like that the way that I, that I put that together, but I'm just trying to bring, I'm just trying to bring two things, show a relationship between two things, between pathology and between virtue. There is a bizarre relationship. Yeah, sure. And it's hard to, it's hard to know what that is. Uh, you know, you look at people like JFK or people like, like Abraham Lincoln, Mm -hmm. like, like, you know, Lincoln's depression was just like immense. And you know, JFK. Yeah you know he had his uh, it was probably on the on the spectrum for narcissism uh, hmm. and uh, you know as is anybody who wants to be president I mean you have to hmm. be you have to have a pathological need to be loved you know hmm. if you want to run for that job hmm. um, or be phenomenally and beautifully selfless yeah, um,
0: yeah. I like the idea of, of people being elected to office kind of against their will. <laughs> hmm. uh, I have this we r- all do. That's what the I, George Washington legend yeah, is right, about, right? It's like a romantic idea that this has actually happened when maybe it's never happened. But uh, yeah, anyone who kind of, but, uh, but getting back to what you're saying, like, yeah, there's um, depression, there's narcissism, there's genius, there's all these things that are probably considered some kind of like borderline personality disorder yet it's these things that kind of like have given the world great gifts or it's it's the people
1: that have these things that bring it's the people that have gifts the things and, and, to, and it, yeah so what i think is going on there this is this is my thinking on it is uh mm-hmm. is these influences that we don't understand on subjectivity the influences that uh and i'm not necessarily referring to things that are supernatural here. And I hate that word because anything that happens is in fact natural. So supernatural is such an annoying word. Uh, things that
0: uh mm. Oh, okay, yeah, i can see why you hate that word. <laughs> Dude, i, I got to get another beer. Can we can we come yeah, back? Yeah, we'll can come we go back. back? We'll come back to supernatural, all right? Okay. All right. Yeah, well I'm, just gonna, I'm just going to I'm just going to leave this going because i'm afraid i'm going to uh, screw something up if I pause. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I got three.
1: Yeah, you Yeah,
0: I'll open one up. Okay. Make my way to the bottom of this. Um, started from the bottom, now
1: we're here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Astronaut <laughs> philosophy started from the bottom, now we're here. Episode two. Uh,
1: this is, is this my koozie? Maybe. I I don't know. I feel
0: feel like I steal koozies from everywhere and everyone. Yeah, I think
1: this is my koozie, bro.
0: Yeah. One of those
1: nights. (laughs) So I I don't see that many Takate koozies. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) What do I have? Red Leg Husky. This was some
0: um, banjo kind of bluegrass band that was, they had koozies for sale outside. I, I took one because I thought they were for free. And then I went back and gave him 10 bucks as a tip <laughs> later. <laughs> wow. Good Samaritan. Yeah. Well, random story. Ooh. So w- we left when you were talking about how much you loved the word supernatural.
1: Yeah. Supernatural. Love that word. Yeah. really hate that word, man. Um, I can don't, see, I can see like, um, we, that, that's a word, a sort of, a word that, uh, it's, feels pejorative. It's like, yeah, it's not just saying, Hey, there's no consensus here. That would be one thing it's saying, right. which is the objectivity piece. That, so in my mind, that's how I think of it. I'm I'm not defending
0: like the public's, the way we use that word. I'm saying in my mind, that's, that's how I think of.
1: That's wonderful. Subjectivity. That there's just no consensus. There's
0: just no consensus like yet on it, you know? Right. Or it's
1: it's just like, it
0: it may even be out. So subjectivity to me can include things that are just completely outside of our ability to express it at all, right? Like pictures, music, art, language, take all forms of human expression, subjectivity to me can include things that are beyond all of that stuff. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, supernatural is such a poor category. That's, That's how I look at it because it may be just because of where we are at the moment you know um but that encompasses so much for most people so if i say supernatural i could be talking about witches i could be talking about the lightness monster i could be talking about uh, a dream that i had last night i could be talking about a haunting across the street you know like it's just Mm. it's um it goes into this very sort of bizarre category of the unknown. And it's okay to have, and we ought to have, a, a category for the bizarre and the unknown. Mm-hmm. But the way that's treated under the current, the current consensus uh, is, is that uh, this is shenanigans. Guys, this whole category, and anything we may associate with it, is uh, is shenanigans. Um,
0: yeah, I hope that changes. I mean, I I think one of the ways that can change is the through the discussion we were having earlier. One of the ways it changed for me um, was through researching these. These brilliant scientists and physicists and their kind of personal, kind of weird, maybe subjective. Um, you know, Isaac Newton, for example, was an alchemist, right? He was, he was very involved in in religious kind of ways of trying to turn metals into gold and um, trying to find the secret history and stuff like this and. Um, Kurt Girdle, you know... That's a...
1: Sorry, I didn't mean to you. I imagine. was going to yeah. say,
0: like, a, a, a huge number of these very prolific scientists that have written what we call the laws of nature... Right. You know, they themselves...
1: Felt strongly felt that there was...
0: strongly about... A lot of them felt the mysterious kinds of forces that were guiding them to these laws. right? And so it's... It's through that where I kind of realize, like, whoa, there is, there is something. It's much, it's much more humble and accurate to think of there being something that is kind of undescribable. That kind of like pushes us towards making these descriptions and
1: that, form, yeah. forming
0: consensus.
1: That's an interesting. Uh, yeah. there, there, there's a whole lineage of thinkers that were kind of. That felt that there was something pushing people. Mm. Um, I'm going to butcher his name. He is a, a French. Uh, I believe he I believe it was no. He was a geologist. Um, Chardin, Tellard Chardin. Was, he,
0: oh he, yeah, name sounds familiar. He, he wrote.
1: Familiar. Um, he wrote a couple of famous books. The Phenomenon of Man. Okay. Uh, is one. Um, but. He, he, We're sort of getting into teleology here, you know, like something, if something's pushing us um, to do some things, sometimes, Hmm. um, it could be the case that there is say that right, I just have to stop right there because I'm just, my mind is not even... I think it's it's better to err on the side of caution, you know, when we talk about this stuff like Yeah, or side of humility. Yeah, on the yeah. side of humility. On the side of humility because yeah. you know, maybe another day. I'd, but you 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 don't want to say too many things that are silly when there's all all there's already so much silly stuff out there. You know? Yeah.
0: So, um I know I come back to Wittgenstein a lot, but and yeah, sure. the, the end of his first book, the last sentence was that which cannot be said accurately should be passed over in silence. You know, he kind of, he, he drew this line. He, in that book, it was kind of a harsh line between the things that can be, a harsh. be said and the things that cannot be said. Whereas i I'd, I'd see it as more as like a gray area of like the things that can be said accurately. I would say that as like the things that we have some kind of rough consensus about what they mean. And that they are like a good description of reality. Like those things, you know, but the things that are like both way away from two people meaning the same thing and way away from it being a good description of some kind of common experience of reality. Like, yeah, we should, uh, we should use language with a lot of humility when we talk about those things.
1: Right. And yeah. and when you start looking at language, and this is another thing that, that I think w- a reason why we, we tend to talk for forever, mm-hmm. uh, is, is our agreement on, on language and, uh, and how we have to be careful and, and we have to be careful with our pronouncements. We have to, we have to, you need to have reflected on the nature of language at some point yeah it's hard to do too it's hard to do and especially if you're going to Mm -hmm. it's just helpful in general to do that but especially if you're gonna if you're gonna explore what we might call the boundaries Mm -hmm. of reality which is certainly what science does to an extent um
0: what what exactly did you mean by boundaries of
1: reality well reality my the boundaries of the boundaries of what we know. Uh, okay. That's probably a better way to put that. Yeah. The boundaries of reality are like, you know, there's nothing real on the other side of the boundary, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of like, Except like for Amazon prime. Amazon s- primes on the other side of the <laughs> <laughs> Bezos. Dude, Bezos is listening right now, dude. I don't know if you know this. Oh, Bezos yeah, is listening. Yeah, what's up, Bezos. Are you saving this on the cloud? Cause Bezos yeah. has got it.
0: <laughs> Sponsor the pod. Sponsor the podcast. Bezos. Send us a check.
1: Um along along those lines of uh, of boundaries, Hegel had this really cool idea that uh, that knowledge that human knowledge was like a circle, and that the circumference of the circle was the unknown, right on the outside of that. who,
0: who is this again? Hegel? Hegel, okay, yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about it is as the known increases the unknown also increases <laughs>
0: okay.
1: because the circumference is bigger, sure. right? And so what's, what you're in contact with is now more. You're mm. in contact with more than you were previously. Okay. And so the mystery is more complex. Uh, I like that. I like that analogy for what it might be like to, to be an advancing... Yeah. species of monkeys
0: <laughs> I like that but I, I don't understand why the uh the outside circle has to expand as well, like why can't the outside circle just be infinitely big it is
1: there's no outside circle, sorry oh, okay. did I say that wrong? There's only one circle oh okay the the everything outside the circle is what whatever there is oh okay, yeah, all right the thing in itself or whatever yeah <laughs> yeah
0: and I don't even know if it's expanding like sometimes doesn't it feel like there were um, principles and knowledge and some kind of ethics and like things that were really good that we kind of lost along the way, maybe, and kind of like, I mean, you, you could say expanding, or you could just say like, yeah, traversing, right? You could just sure. say like moving left or right, ex- not getting any bigger, expanding. <laughs>
1: expanding implies like a sort of linear progress. Yeah, um, I, yeah. you know, something that's really interesting if you ever put the time into it. Is uh, and there's so many things like this out there, where it's like, man, that is really cool. I wish I had the time to look at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, ancient civilization, like, especially Egypt. Egypt mm-hmm. is really interesting. You know, how they had this bizarrely stable civilization for, like, 2,000 years. And, yeah. Well, I mean, internally, you know, they had the same religion, they had the same government structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Oh, yeah, and
0: there's all this evidence that, like, all of our... Mathematics came from there, like yes, like Euclid. I think yes, uh, visited there. Pythagoras visited there. Like they, the the diagonals were uh, come up with for some farms in in Egypt. Like the whole point of thing calculating area. Was because it was needed for some farmlands in Egypt. Plus, you got the pyramids, which are so
1: like bizarrely perfectly geometric. And we still have no idea. Yeah, and even, even right? some of the statues are just like, it's a bizarre, it's a bizarre place. And it, uh, mm-hmm. and they clearly did not have, um, or at least we haven't found evidence that they had expressed mathematics in the way that we do, but they also clearly knew about relationships mm-hmm. that existed uh, in nature. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, all the Greek histories the early, if you read uh, about the, uh, you know, the early Greek thinkers and the people that pretty much founded Western civilization and Western thought like Pythagoras, um, these guys, you know, basically went to school in Egypt that's what
0: that's what it seems like yeah yeah. it seems like people did this kind of university type of voyage uh, Mm -hmm. to Egypt and like came back with great insights to them
1: to the mystery schools yeah and it's uh we we're in at least for me in the in the way I've grown up and, and come into the world and experienced it is I've encountered those ideas for the first time as being ridiculous. Like, oh, there's some mystery school and like, and what does that mean, you know? Um, now, th- this is where we we go back to the humility and caution piece because you're mm-hmm. we're, we're going into a place where we can't quite peer into. We can speculate. Yeah. We can be in awe of it. Then um, yeah. we have to be careful, but there's some really There's some really interesting stuff on Egypt, Um, uh, Stonehenge is another one, you know, uh, a lot of interesting ideas about, about what they were aware of in terms of magnetic forces in the earth, Mm -hmm. Um, very cool stuff. Um, And, and we're just, yeah, the idea that we progress linearly, that's not accurate. That may be accurate or may feel accurate for the last few hundred years. Um. Uh, yeah. Because of the way we teach history and the way we tend to think. Right. Uh. Yeah. So it's, maybe progress is not so linear. I mean, it's it's been it's been a, it's been amazing, no doubt, for the last hundred years. My neighbor is one hundred six years old. Hmm. And And uh, I think she's one hundred six. And I was just thinking about that the other day that she was born. I think when Wilson, Woodrow Wilson was. L- either in office or leaving office.
0: Yeah.
1: That's just insanity. Like she was telling me all these crazy stories about, uh, how she, she didn't know that people drank who weren't also bad people until she was like married in her mid twenties because she was, she grew up in prohibition and, uh, and whenever people drank, they did it they didn't even do it at the dinner table. they would sneak off, and that's why everybody would be so drunk. She told me they would sneak off and they would just absolutely chug whatever they had mm. and then they'd come back to the dinner table and so people would just be sloshed and, and then uh so she was in her twenties before she realized that like that you could drink and uh and it was okay to make you like a scallywag <laughs> or you know, mm. something just like. Now that that's not that long ago, and yeah. she lives right across the street from me. She's been in that house for fifty years, sixty years. It's like, yeah.
0: So I think the the idea of like progress, I think it's interesting that that's new. Like uh, Stephen Pinker uh, talks about this a lot about how we now live in the time where we don't expect the next genera- generation to live in the same environment that we live in. We kind of expect that technology is going to be so different. Um, but this way of thinking that the world is going to be radically different. The next generation is new. Mm -hmm. Um, like if you think of it like geologically or whatever, like for most of human history before like 1600 or 1700 or before the industrial revolution, most people grew up in a very similar environment as their parents. And they expected that their Children were going to grow up in a similar environment as them. And this, this idea of like progress is, um, I'm not saying it's like good or bad or, or anything. It's just, it's interesting that
1: I, I really
0: have zero expectation that
1: it's going to keep going.
0: Yeah. That our children are going to grow up in a world that resembles
1: my own, like at all. Right. It's, that's, that's just amazing. It is, uh, I have some sympathy with with that point that Pinker makes in terms of like looking that we have no reason to expect it to keep going just because uh, I'm not saying that I personally think it will go this way. That's a a super complex question about Mm -hmm. how fast will society progress? I mean, it's happening across so many different domains. I don't think I even like the word progress. Yeah. uh, Well, so how how quickly or how radically will it change over time? That's maybe a better way. Yeah, because yeah. progress in, entails, you know, an inherent good,
0: right? And or like some kind of, like we get all kinds of bad direct, stuff yeah, as like, we go, you know. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. So, a, a good what pops into my mind there is, uh, is I've I've often heard quantum mechanics is described as a, a boundary science, uh, and that's kind of where that word came into mind. Boundary science. Um, a boundary science. All right, and that, we're getting back to. Yeah, I guess so. Getting back inside, Yeah, I didn't mean to... (laughs) That was a
0: long detour. (laughs) Didn't
1: mean to take us all the way back. Uh, Boundary science. uh, Boundary science. So, um, you know, and that comes from sort of Heisenberg's uh, uh, view of the, the problem that we were facing in terms of measurement. Okay. And our capacity to how the, 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 yeah, how our approach determines what we see. The act
0: act of measuring changes the, the model that
1: we use. Right. So that has implications for, that has implications for how far we can go or maybe not how far we can go, but how, um, but go ahead. What do you think about that? What do you think about the notion of there being despite the uh, the progress of technology and uh, the instruments that we use, there being a certain a certain uh limit on the the user
0: yeah i mean i I, I like that in the sense that it's humble um, I don't like thinking of of some kind of hard limit um that is like quantifiable and stuff because that limit itself is the property of a model.
1: Um, And, and it, and that those, when you draw those lines, it implies that you're on the other side of it and like you can see it. Like, uh, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um,
0: I, I, I tell you something I really like that gets back to my research is just the idea of scale. Like I think, we humans have this tendency to think that we are in this Goldilocks zone of like, Oh, we can see almost the smallest thing in the world and we can see almost the biggest thing in the universe. And like the things that are smaller than that, which we can measure like this quantum mechanics kind of limit, like nanometers or like, you know, sub nanometers. Um, That this is very close to the smallest scales that exist. Do you know what I mean by that? Like the smallest yeah. scales. That you, like, are you
1: saying they are, or that's what people think? That's what people think. And everyone has always thought that, right? It was, for the history when we found the microscope. Yeah, right. It was like, oh my God, there yeah. are these living things going around. <laughs> yeah. There's bacteria. Right. Like, it's like this, oh it my is God. never going to get crazier than this, yeah. guys.
0: <laughs> so, so there's no, there's no real reason to think that <laughs> we are anywhere close to the smallest. Right. Or the biggest, the
1: most fundamental in either direction.
0: The most fundamental, like if there was some kind of outside godlike observer that like knew the scales that we were capable of like seeing and measuring, that whole range of scale might occupy a very small part on the enormous godlike scale of all the sizes that could exist. Like we don't, we don't know, and if, and if our if our laws or our like models are always a model of kind of like the smallest scale that we can see where there could be scales of interactions of particles, waves, whatever, like things we can't think about. This could be happening on a length scale that wasn't just, just on the other side of that w- we could observe, but it could be like way on the other side. Like it could be so much smaller, like take... The range of scale is from the size of the universe to like a nanometer, like a sub-electron. Take that whole scale and go that same distance on the other side of a nanometer. Like, like there, there could be like things going on like way down there. Like there's no reason to believe that we are right on the edge of
1: it. It goes back to the, the analogy we used of the, uh, or you invoked mm-hmm. was with the we're, we're imperfect. Yeah. I mean, we rather than, yeah, yeah. it would just like, we're just like kids. And yeah. we're just like, uh, oh my gosh, man, we have really got it now. <laughs> right. And every generation is like that. Like, yeah. this is it. Like, yeah. It, and
0: I guess yeah. there's some, I guess maybe some people that listen to me talk like this, that they'll think I'm defeatist or they'll think I'm being negative or they'll think I'm being, and then they would say, like, it's a source of optimism to feel like we're just on the cusp of knowing everything um that's but I, I think that's I think it's dangerous I, 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 like I am optimistic like I believe language is helpful like I believe in a lot of optimistic things about us I'm not like just you
1: know if you if you yeah. if you say that we're on the verge of knowing everything or you think that we're on the verge mm-hmm. of like the, the most fundamental knowledge that there is to be had right. that is not a position conducive to humility no. number one yeah. uh, also not a position that's it um, that seems to reflect the state of affairs in science A science being uh, a series of different models in different domains that uh, that we're trying to figure out how they fit together
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and that it's complex uh that that is uh seems like a the point of view that we're that we know everything seems to be sort of a vestige from the like the 60s you know like the yeah and uh like the space race and that's beautiful the space race is beautiful as well uh, you know like the, the fact that people went to space and were brave i mean this this is the bizarre I mean, that's why we have the name of the podcast we wouldn't have the name the astronaut, right? <laughs> Astronaut philosophy.
0: Did you ever think about that? <laughs> uh,
1: the, the, this is the reason, I think, one of the reasons for the dichotomy that we see between these two perspectives. On the one hand, humility, the one that emphasizes humility. On the other hand, you have folks who commit. Yeah. Is, um, we do live in a world where you have to commit to our models. At some point, like if, when we send people to moon, to the moon, we, we commit to that model and that everyone on that, on that space shuttle commits, like they, they're going to yeah. live or die based on, you know, whether those predictions are right. And, yeah. and you're mm-hmm. committing to models all the time, you know, you're, you're committing and it's, I don't, I don't know why, I don't know exactly what you mean by commit. I mean, by, well, why would you say use? Well, see, that is a, I think that implies, uh, an understanding that may or may not be there. And I don't want to assume, I okay. especially don't want to assume it on if someone is expressing a sort of, uh, but
0: you're not, we're not committing to a model. Um, okay, let me, okay. Um, so I, I get that some scientists have just committed to a model as being the laws of universe or like whatever. they just like made that their belief. But like so
1: let's, let's separate but, it into but, like large scale commitment being dogma and small small scale commitment being you are just doing something. Like you're committing to to uh, like the astronaut example I think is a good one. Like they're I think that's a good they're they're exploring they're on the frontier of, of uh of technology and models and they're committing to the the certainty in a certain way but in a way that that we have to I'm not that's not a criticism
0: I mean if if I'm like that's like kind of saying I just feel like the word commits a little strong I mean like let's just say like hey I'm gonna use uh, this yardstick to measure this Um, you should use the same one too like Mm -hmm. that is that committing to the yardstick? Isn't that just using the yardstick? Yeah,
1: yeah, in that and that okay. example, yeah, in that example, sure.
0: So that, but that's that's how we can think of using these Newton's using Newton's equations in order to like guide the spacecraft. Like, hey, I'm using this model. Like, you need to use this model too, so we can be on the same page to get this spacecraft where it needs to go. I I agree,
1: uh, but sometimes it's easier for people to get things done when they're committed. They can narrow their focus. I don't even know what committed
0: means. So committed. Like, does it mean like, hey, we're going to believe that these are the true
1: laws of nature? Like, So let's take a different example. That's not required. Let's take a different example outside of science. Let's take an example of somebody who's working at a corporation. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. We could be, you know, anywhere. Oh, my God. Or it could be, you know, it could be anything. Somebody in the military or somebody, you know. There's a million examples you can use. Um, okay. You will notice a difference between people who have committed, uh, in the sense that I mean it. Um, people who I I don't think they do it in a in a way to. Uh, Dude, you're making me
0: realize I could never have a corporate job. <laughs> It's a commitment. I could never, I could never fake it that I believe I was committed to the corporate message. <laughs> it's
1: just, yeah, it's a sort of like. Uh... I take that back. Maybe I could. <laughs> oh yeah, Je-
0: was... Jeff Bezos, email, email me. <laughs> yeah, if Jeff Bezos, email you. How about Elon Musk? <laughs> nah, I, I got a, I had a chance to work for
1: SpaceX actually. You should get on that, man. What are you doing yeah. here with me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. These are. I'm glad we had this conversation because we we're stretching into like all the implications of our, of our interest sort of you know they're they're sociological they're psychological they affect creativity science it's sort of like, uh, this is a we're, we're asking some fundamental questions and
0: yeah but let's get back to no oh, right. you want commitment like because, uh, I don't under I don't understand what it well, what get, what you mean by like are you saying that like. Some people become committed to to something where they take it and to such a deep part of their identity that they they can't ever think of it as helpful. They have to think of it as like, you know, something that they had decided to commit it to,
1: so therefore they're gonna fight or at least or, at least more often, they have to do that, if not always, more often. Um, and it goes back to the very beginning of our conversation when we talked about subjective states and mm-hmm. I was talking about how there are some subjective states that facilitate different sorts of action and the subjective state of commitment, um, facilitates an ease of certain kinds of action, um, certain kinds of, uh, easing through certain kinds of contradictions, for example. Um, See, I, I don't, well, we could, we could, we could, we could also maybe interchangeably to some extent use belief, but, but it's, it's not quite, I don't, I don't like belief as much as commitment because it's like a, I just realized I am committed to something. What have you not committed to? I'm committed to language is helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've all got, we all got some commitments. (laughs) We're both committed to that because we're still talking to each other. Yeah, Exactly. That, the, got, but that—that's why
0: I, I guess I've committed to that. Is because it's you got to. I can't say anything if I if I don't think that. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Um, yeah, I, I ran it. So when I was, I remember specifically like when I was working for NASA. I remember giving some kind of presentation and this idea of like whether I was speaking what I thought or whether I was speaking for NASA. You know, like, I was, um, I was speaking on behalf of the agency. Or like, I didn't even know what that meant. Like, how is it possible for someone to speak on behalf of an agency? I don't I, I like, that would require
1: some kind of like. Well, that's, that requires a certain model where where people who are representatives either actually make psychological commitments or at least they act out that commitment they might not actually commit but they act it out as if yeah. they were believers as if they were and that's a model of right. how organizations organizations should function
0: yeah but i i i so i i think this <laughs> this is off topic but The idea of an organization being something that has kind of a voice and has kind of like feelings is just something we need to get away from, I think. Like, okay, imagine I saw this commercial one time and it was like, the Toyota Corporation feels sorry for (laughs) the mistakes it made. It's like, okay, what? Like, really? Like, Like, do we as people... Think of the Toyota Corporation as something that can have the emotion of feeling sorry.
1: As long as 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 we still have these these problems in language, people kind of do. I mean, marketing campaigns have billions of dollars poured into them because they work. You know, like every... I mean, it's billions if you take it, you know, the aggregate of everybody. Um, Yeah. Because people are... They like to this is not the word I'm looking for, but I want to say anthropomorphize, but they like to yeah. personify. Sorry. That's personify. It. They like to personify. Uh, What's the difference between those two words? Anthropomorphize. Anthropomorphize, I think uh, is a bit more. You're talking about the species, I think a bit and uh, personify is, it's more like the, you're invoking personality over the limitations of the animal. You're talking about the act like God is is sort of both, I guess. Um anyway, they're they're related. Anyway. They're related. They're related.
0: Yeah, yeah person <laughs> All right. Well I, I have a direction I wanted to go unless yeah, you yeah, unless maybe. you want to whatever
1: you we can if it sucks we'll always delete it.
0: <laughs> no, but I just, I, did, I felt like I cut you off there for a second. No, no, but, you're not okay. at all.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm done. Um, so, so this,
0: uh, the person, how easy it is to personify objects is one of the things that led me to think that w- we have certain forms of rationality that we use to model the world. Like, Because if I just, like, look at... I like that a lot. ...this beer right here, and I say... I say, oh, this beer is sitting by itself. This beer is lonely. Like, how easy... How much sense that makes? (laughs) Like, okay, yeah, it doesn't make any sense, right? But how much sense does it make? Like, how easily do we say, like... How easily do we entertain the idea of loneliness of a chair sitting by itself? Like... Like so, so let me just finish this. so like, it's not the ridiculousness of it, it's how quickly it, it makes sense. Like how, like we personify the Toyota Corporation. We, we can personify inanimate objects, we can personify animals, and so it makes more sense to me that we just have a fucking personification model
1: that is ready to go. I think like, that and, and I think also the problem is uh, the, the issue of entanglement. You know, definitely. What you you know, we have that, the the personification model. Right. You know, we have that the category. Yeah. For the contents. The category. Yeah. I, don't know if he, I don't think he listed that as one of the categories. But uh, <laughs> he should have. <laughs>
0: it's like the most yeah. powerful one. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: so part of it is this issue of the entanglement of um, all. All the different influences uh we since we haven't dis- made distinguish uh since we haven't distinguished rather between uh the subjective experiences that that give us some access to the world from the perspective of i'm an individual the world is outside of me the universe is outside of me even You know, some things are inside and, you know, there's this weird dichotomy. To the extent that we don't work that out, um, we are sort of doomed to... to overstate... uh, to overstate our feelings about about things like, like... like the personification of objects. So how am I to distinguish between... I look at that cat and I think that it's lonely. Mm I immediately project that onto the cat Mm -hmm. and uh, something that might be valid, like uh, I look at a creek and it's got trash in it. I just feel like, I feel something, you know, I feel like gross or I feel like, um, uh, I feel something that's definitely human, but I somehow am feeling I'm feeling uh something that seems to be in some way descriptive of the world in a way that's okay i may not have uh may not have articulated that well, but you know when i when i look at uh the environment everybody watches those movies right you you watch the the oh the God. big the plastic uh the big plastic oh, okay. thing out in the middle of the out ocean, in the of the ocean yeah. you know you watch right. that and you just or get just this like feeling a, yeah, and it's just, bad just bad like feeling. yeah and it's just awful and um and that seems to somehow be reflective of the state of things not just uh personal not just a personification like the ocean is hurting it's like it kind of is um Whereas, you know, I I
0: feel like that can lead us astray too. I mean, I I agree with you. Like, like sometimes
1: that, that feeling is, um, well, that's, that's the only point I'm making is that Mm. sometimes it is Yeah, and we haven't, we haven't figured out how to distinguish when it's okay and when it's not. And it's like intuition, right? You know, some people, their intuition is right on and they're all across the spectrum, man. They're not just artists. They're like, you Mm -hmm. know, some stockbrokers are just they have the gift, man, or some, mm. or in sports, you know, you, we, we use this word, we call it a knack. Right. Someone has a knack for something
0: mm-hmm. is
1: this in this way that we can't describe a connection that's outside of uh that's outside of rational description somehow. Um, so anyway, to the, to return to your point, the, to the, to the extent that we don't distinguish between everything that's going on, that we have bad categories. This is my issue bad categories supernatural that's a bad category
0: i don't know if they're bad wow
1: they're in they're they're not helpful they're less helpful than they could be let's say that they're less helpful than they could be there are more there are more helpful descriptions that we can invoke there um we're working it out yeah but we at least need to have the conversation of the problems with the current descriptions sure that is to be which is kind of what we're doing yeah Dropping a mic over here,
0: (laughs) (laughs) fucking. Have you been wondering whether you're going to open that beer? I like drank almost all of my beer while you were waiting to open that.
1: I honestly feel sorry for anybody who's still listening to me talk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you want to keep going with this? Uh, Well, I mean, you You just open it. You want? All right, let's do it. Let's keep going. Oh, we're we're measuring in measures now. You got to... Dude, I don't want to touch it. I'm going to mess it up. We've been going for over an hour. Maybe an hour and a half. All right. What conversation do you want to get back to? I don't know. NGT? can Can I get back to my personification thing yeah
1: yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> the, com- the the question steve meant to ask was what question do i want to get back to well i, <laughs> I
0: asked you and then one came to me <laughs>
1: um yeah
0: i mean like my brain is is actively trying to see everything as a person all the time my, my brain is actively trying to see something as a circle it's it's trying to see something as math you know it's it's trying to see something as free will you know
1: it's it's, young was talking about this exactly this you know this sort of the the something beyond us is manifesting symbolically uh we have no other option but to receive it in a symbolic manner we can observe that process. You can observe yourself receiving it mathematically uh, via personification, via you know whatever vehicle. But we have these, we have these sort of structures. That's what Kant was talking about too, in a, in a different way.
0: Yeah, yeah, all all the same, all the same stuff. So I, you know, I didn't stumble upon like Jung and Kant until after I kind of like went through the, the went went through and... this myself. You know, because I was like. Just doing the science thing, and then I was like,
1: "Yeah, same, same with me." That's why I loved yeah. them so much. It was like, right. "Oh man, these guys nailed it!" Like this is the this is it's, they they're articulating something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't
0: know. Do we think I? I don't think our Kant articulated it that well. <laughs> I mean. Kant, there was one guy that was like, uh, Kant is the last person that you should read to try to understand Kant. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, everyone's
1: summary of Kant is better them. than Kant. My my <laughs> subjective experience of Kant. Was, I, honestly, honestly, God, I, when I started to read Kant, um, I could not sleep that night. Okay. I, I really was like, huh. this guy's talking about how the the limits, um, especially when you're when you're looking at um, at the mind, or or looking at things that might be beyond the mind. You know, you're looking at maybe the spiritual domain, or uh, this whole area of of we have these fuzzy categories, the supernatural. Um, People will often hearken back to well we 're limited, and we have these um, we can't we can't know um, that these things don't exist. you can't prove that these things don't exist or that these and it's kind of a primitive argument um, and there's not a whole lot of uh clear discussion about what the limitations are um But that was sort of, it's bizarre to me because that's sort of the great insight of of the Buddhists uh, uh, and and some other other spiritual, I don't know what you would call it, spiritual religious philosophers, is that the mind is limited and that paying attention to those limitations will help you govern the world. So Kant uh, struck a chord with me because he was talking about how we can... He was trying to show specifically, uh, not just sort of an ethereal, like, you know, we're limited, life is pain, you know, sort of like the Buddha, the Buddha tries to invoke rationality with his, with his, uh, metaphysics. I mean, that's, you have to, but, uh, but, uh. You know, Kant was, he was, he struck a chord with me for that reason, for the, for the reason that he was going through it and logically trying to prove, like the space and time thing. That was, that was incredible. Yeah. Uh, and a pretty, pretty awesome realization. Now that's another discussion that we got to have is we got to have one on time, which may we'll do next time. Mm-hmm. Not tonight. Not tonight. <laughs> that's going to be a big one. Yeah. That's going to be a big one. Uh, I'm, I'm going to need all my horsepower for that one.
0: All right, I uh, I will say just on the end of there. Yeah. I was reading
1: Bertrand Russell yesterday, and I. Are well, we just sitting here like jerking each other off, like like naming off the people that we know? I feel like I'm doing that. Uh, <laughs> you just said Bertrand Russell. I'm like whoever's whoever's listening to this is probably super annoyed right now. Maybe. Well, if they made it this far, they're probably not.
0: Yeah, they made it this far. Shout out to, right. uh, <laughs> shout, shout out to, to the dedicated <laughs> listener making it this far. You know who's you know who's listening now? Still, yeah. Jeff Bezos. He's still listening. Yeah, that motherfucker's listening. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, Burton Russell, just uh uh foreshadowing our discussion on time. Right. The reason that he disagreed with Kant that. The numbers were a function of time Mm. is because Kant thought of logic as being outside of space and time. Kant thought of logic as being independent of space and time. And um, Bertrand Russell managed to give a definition of the numbers in terms of logic. So that's kind of the. that's what I got for why Bertrand Russell had showed that that um, mathematics was not so tightly bound to the concept of time. I'm not saying I agree or disagree. I'm just saying that's that's where Russell went with that. Well,
1: you're like do we want to get into this now yeah yeah that's really really (laughs) the conversation i'm having with myself i'd really just ask myself do i want to use restraint right now (laughs) uh and i think i do i think i do i think this has been a good discussion restraint yeah i'm gonna use restraint man all right this has been you know it's been good
0: it's been good you want to you want to cut it here or
1: yeah yeah let's cut it until until next time Tune in next time. Uh, So long to our listener. So long to our one listener out there. See ya.